Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. You guys are quiet right now. Let's... Good to see everybody in church in the middle of summer. You are heroes. You are incredible. And uh, there's just something about being faithful to the house of God that should not be lost on us. So thank you. <clears throat> thank you for being in church. I got seven of you that are into it. But that's cool. I, I'm, I'm still going to go for it. Hey, listen. Um, has anybody ever ever uh, had a situation not turn out the way you'd planned? <laughs> Let me say it like this. Has anybody ever had anything not turn out the way you were hoping this week? This week. <laughs> <It was laughs> you know, I have people ask me all the time, um, hey, I got I to gotta give my, 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 my shout out to everybody right now. My little man right here wants me to make sure everybody, for the past month, he's been coming up to me every single time he's in church saying, hey, make sure you tell them that God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger then the boogeyman. Come on. Good job, buddy. I love your, your faith and your worship you were doing out there. love it. Hey, <laughs> that's deeper than we realize, right? That's cute. No, that's deep. Like, uh, God's bigger than your boogeyman. <clears throat> but here's the deal. Um, I have people ask me, because I'm from Alaska. I have people ask me, they say, hey, um, do you miss Alaska? I think that's a dumb question. Um, of course I miss Alaska, right? Of course. I, it's not a dumb question if you ask that question. I don't think you're dumb. I just think obviously I miss Alaska, right? Like obviously. I was born there. I was raised there. It's um, being f- – anybody else from Alaska? I got one back there. I got a, got a couple. Okay. So some, you went there. Come on, man. You're just, you just got it. And, and, and for me, like I, I – there's like this sense of identity that comes with being in Alaska. Like Alaskans, um, like you don't have to, like how do you know if someone's going to be, if somebody's from Alaska, like how do you figure that out? Like don't worry about it. We're going to tell you. We're going to tell you that that's where we're from. And, and when people ask me, do I miss Alaska? I, I don't miss all of it, but I do miss certain aspects of it. I think the, the thing I miss the most is this time of year in September. This time of year, I miss it because of fishing. September, I miss it because of moose season. Come on. And um, <clears throat> fishing was, was always fun because when I moved here, you guys actually try. And that's a different thing because back home, we didn't try hard at all. I'll show you how we fish back home. This is what we do. Um, th- these are called dip nets. <laughs> we don't use poles and we don't, don't use lines and hooks. We use big five-foot nets on the end of a 20-foot pole. With, with a gill net in it, and we just scoop them up as they swim. Like, you don't even have to chase them. They just swim into your net. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, like a subsistence uh, harvest is what it is. So what that means is, like, your family, 
you, you get like 45 fish for the house and then 10 fish for every member of the house beyond the head of house. So like that's like 75 fish. It's like 100 fish for some people. And the last time I went with my wife, um, we, we would always go down to the Kenai Beach. It looks just like this, and um, everybody's out there, and, and the fish would come in. And the last time, they come in during the tides, and you'll see people standing out there, and they're waiting, and they'll stand all day long. Um, but it, people that know what they're doing, what we do is we just sit at our tent with a campfire and sing songs and play until people start catching fish. <laughs> and, and then we run into the water and catch fish. And the last time I was there with my wife, Kimmy, we... Um, we caught, I think it was 65 fish was our family. It was 65 or 75 was our family allotment in an hour and 15 minutes. And these are big. These are, these are Kenai red salmon. So they're, they're big, big, thick. They're, they're wide fish, big, thick fillets. And, um, and they, so what we did, like, boom, next picture. This is what I miss about Alaska right here. Boom. That's what I miss. I miss the most amazing meat on earth. Some of you think halibut is the best fish. No, halibut is not the best fish. Red salmon is the best fish in the world. It's better than king salmon. It's better than everything. Red salmon, sockeye. And um, some people know that I'm in the word already. You're like, ah, preach is going to preach. And um, but here's the deal. Like, I love red salmon. It's supposed to be healthy for you. It tastes really good. You can fry it. You can bake it. You can smoke it. You can do whatever we want with it. And so we, we would catch all this fish, and then we'd come home, and we'd process. It would take forever because we're talking just massive steaks of salmon. We'd fill up coolers full of this stuff and then put it in our – we had a chest freezer. Fill the chest freezer full of, of freeze, like zip, whatever, you know, the little thing, the vacuum seal. And then we'd, we'd smoke a bunch of it and put it in jars because smoked salmon and always best when it's jarred. Here's the trick. It's in the juices. So the ju- like you want to drink that juice after. It's so good. <clears throat> Some of you are like, try it. And then you won't, you won't make the ah sound. It's amazing. It's the will of the Lord. And we had, we had a freezer full of salmon. Every year after catching all of our fish uh, for the year, what, what I would do is I'd go down to Fred Meyer and I'd walk past the deli section just to see how much per pound salmon is this year. I'm like, I got $6,000 worth of fish in my freezer. Ah! <clears throat> and before we moved here, um, we, we'd gone fishing and uh, had a freezer full of moose and caribou and, um, and salmon. And there's some halibut in there, and um, that I just I was just raised like you 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 kill what you eat like that's how I was raised. Um, so we didn't really start eating beef until we moved to Idaho. <laughs> um, and it's good. Beef is good. It is good. Uh, it's not the same as moose, but um, <clears throat> just saying. And uh, and we did a garage sale. And when we did this garage sale, somehow in the middle of the garage sale, the freezer got unplugged. You guys, you know where this is going, yeah. And I didn't notice it until like two weeks later. And so all this amazing, like I went in there, I was like just strutting into the garage, like I'm going to grab some salmon because we ran out of stuff in the fridge upstairs. And so go down, open that thing, it's like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, it's, if you have not experienced a freezer that has gone bad, you've not experienced life, you know. And, and then... And a chest freezer full of food, it's not easy to move. 
So we're, you know, I'm calling all my friends like, hey, I need your help. They're like, yeah, anytime. Like, what? I just need your help to move something. <laughs> like, you be real bit. I just need you to help me move something. So they come over to the house. And I'm like, what are we moving? We're moving a nasty freezer. <laughs> like, it's, it smells like Satan inside. And we ended up managing to get a ratchet strap, two ratchet straps around this thing. Because every time we try to move it, it would flex. And the lid would creep open just enough that we would all go running out of the garage and get that thing taped up. And I don't even remember. But somehow we got it into the back of someone's, someone's truck, took it to the dump. And they have, like, the spot where, like, you return freezers. I told them, I was like, no, this thing needs to go to the dump. And they're like, no, it needs to go to, in Alaska, we call it, the, the, the locals call it the 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 free store, the, the free store. It's, it's like, it's where you put all the, the appliances that somebody else doesn't, like they didn't want them and then you can go get them for free. And, uh, <laughs> and so I told them, I was like, no, this needs to go in the dump store, like in the dump. And they're like, nope, that's, a, that's an appliance. That needs to go where all the other appliances are. So I wouldn't <laughs> put this thing in the middle of all the appliances and as we're pulling away, we're seeing people like pulling those ratchet straps off. Like, yeah, it's gonna be like, boom. You know, everybody goes running away from this, this horror. <laughs> Like an atomic bomb at the transfer site. <laughs> Sometimes things in life don't go. Like you thought you had $7,000 worth of red salmon in your freezer. It turned out you had to throw away your, th- your freezer. Sometimes things in life don't go as we plan. And I think if I was to take a poll in the room, I already asked you if, if you've experienced that, just about everybody, who, everybody who's experienced anything in life, you raised your hands. The rest of you, you're probably still three. <laughs> but the longer you live in life, the more you realize it doesn't matter your financial status. It doesn't matter your employment status. It doesn't matter your marital status. You will experience life not turning out the way you wanted it to. And enough money in the bank account doesn't pad you. It doesn't insulate you from disappointments in life. So I, I, if I took a poll and I said, like, like, how many people want me to preach about, like, how to avoid difficulties in life? I think everybody would be like, ah, yeah, give me that one. Um, but, but I think the real helpful thing isn't how to avoid difficulties. And, and that's important, right? We need to learn how to make good decisions. Good decision making does avoid a lot of problems. But the other side of it is this, is how about we become the kind of people who can handle really hard things when they are unavoidable. How about we become the kind of people that we try to make good decisions, we try to live our lives upright before the Lord, but we also have a strong sense of how to handle difficulties when they come, because they will come. This is what James talks about to the church. Somebody's excited you came to church and Middle of summer, you're like, oh, we're talking about difficulties. Praise the Lord. <laughs> James, uh, he writes about this idea in, in James chapter 1. He kicks off his book. It's an encouraging book of the Bible. He says it like this. He says, count it all joy, my brothers. So count it. I mean, it's like you get to choose where you put it. You, you get to choose to count it as joy or you can choose to count it as Horrible. You choose. You choose which column it goes in. He says, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. <laughs> choose when, when, you, when you meet. You know what I'm saying? When you, when you met that trial, <laughs> you, 
you, you met him and you thought he was amazing and then you realized he was a trial sent from God? <laughs> Count it all joy when you meet various trials. And this is... This sounds so cliche, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, count it all joy. But the truth is this, like, actually living this out is a whole nother ballgame. Like, actually encountering, like, real difficulty, real financial hardship, real mental health issues, real struggles with loneliness, and then we say, now count it all joy. It, it can come across real cheesy. It can come across real fake. It comes across like that morning person. You know what I'm saying? Those people that are just super positive, they always have it. Like, like I love my wife, um, but she's not here right now. So I'm going to tell you something. She's got silver lining to everything. <laughs> she can find the silver lining in anything. I actually, I've learned to love it about her. Like, well, I, I'm just, I get frustrated. I'm like, oh my goodness, like we got to power through this. And my wife's like, actually, it's an amazing deal. Like we got, this, we got all these, oh, we got all these problems. It's amazing. Like she's, she's the silver lining person. And that's incredible. That's amazing. Just not early in the morning. It's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to wake up first thing in the morning. You kind of want to stew a little bit. But if you got a silver lining person, anybody got one of those people in your life, they're, they're like ultra positive in the morning. <clears throat> I, love, I love my wife. <clears throat> and I actually appreciate that about her. But, but James says it like this. He says, count it all joy. You moved to Idaho thinking it was a good financial decision. Count it joy. You had a child because you thought it was going to fix your marriage. Count of joy. You walked into work and you, you, you received a pink note. Count of joy. He says, choose. Like, it's, it's your decision which column you place those items in. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Instead of responding to our difficulties with anxiousness, like, oh no, like, ah, what am I going to do? What am I, what am I going to do? Who am I going to call? Like, we get really anxious. Or on the other side, we just become really apathetic. We're like, ah, just, it is what it is. I'm just going to roll over and just, just, it is what it is. No, no, no. Paul says this, you choose not to count it anxiously, not to count it apathetically. You choose to count it joy. You get to choose to count it as joy. Because here's the, here's the truth. The truth is this, is that the obstacles we face are truly opportunities for joy in our lives. Right now you're like, oh, I get what you're saying. This is, this is the power of positive thinking. Oh, got it. YouTube warned me about one of those preachers. It is the power of positive thinking. I'm positive that trouble's coming your way. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, it's a promise from Jesus. Jesus says it like this. In this life, you will have troubles. <laughs> you're looking for, Clark was saying, there's a promise in the word of God. Like his word never comes back void. And you're like, I want one of them. And let me give you that promise that's never going to come back void. In this life, <laughs> you will have trouble. <laughs> And then he says this, but take heart because I've overcome the world. 
You're going to experience financial difficulty. Take heart because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You're going to experience emotional troubles. Take heart because he's the great counselor. Like take heart. He overcame it all. This, this isn't the power of positive thinking. This is faith in Christ Jesus. Faith is not a purple blob that we manipulate to somehow get God to do our bidding. There, there's a, there's a, a lot of theologies that will tell you that. If you, if you just build up enough of this faith thing like, like Ryu or Ken from Street Fighter, you can faith your way. <clears throat> That's not what faith is. The, the Greek word is pistilo. It means trust. It means I trust him whether things are working out good or whether things are working out bad. I trust him for my physical healing, whether it happens or whether it doesn't happen. Like the children, uh, of the three Hebrew children in the fire, they said, our God can save us, and if he chooses not to, we still won't bow to the enemy because faith is trusting God even when life doesn't turn out the way we want. Jesus, Jesus understood this simple concept. He understood this, this simple idea that in life we'll experience trouble, but the way we manage our troubles is by, by recognizing the joy that is within. Recognizing that, that our obstacles are actually an opportunity for God to do something amazing. It says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12 about Jesus. It says, he was looking to Jesus, he was looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, Jesus, he, he despised the cross. He wasn't excited about the cross. He saw it as shameful, yet he recognized a joy beyond the cross that allowed him to endure difficulty in life. Troubles come, and troubles test our faith. And when our faith is tested, our endurance grows. Here's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 3. This is the next verse. It says this, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Another translation would say endurance. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith doesn't produce like crazy, miraculous tent revival. Testing of your faith produces endurance because now I know I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I can, I can make it through any struggle. I, I, I can make it through like any difficulty because my faith is in Christ. And when I encounter troubles, I build my faith and that looks like an endurance type of faith. <clears throat> This is the only way you grow spiritually is by encountering difficulty. If you prayed that God would build you into a great man or woman of God, yeah, God, I just want to grow in you. I promise you, trouble's coming your way. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he's bad. It's because the only way you build muscles is by stretching those muscles to the point that they rip. You ever see some big bodybuilder and you're like, man, that guy's ripped. Or it's like a lady bodybuilder and you're like, 
dang, she's ripped. No, none of you do. Okay. <laughs> what's going on is when they're, when they're lifting the barbells, what's going on is inside their muscles, you don't see it. But what's actually going on is they are actually getting ripped. Not just muscles that are built, but the actual fibers of the muscles themselves, when they contract, those fibers are pulling apart. They're breaking down, and it creates acid, like this, this, this acid that sits inside there, and it, and it creates this, this weird pump, they call it. I, the bodybuilder, I have this, I feel pumped, right, because it hurts. And the reason it hurts is because the muscles have shredded down enough they actually tear down the muscles, and as the muscle rebuilds itself, it comes back stronger. So if you were to sit here and do push-ups, if somebody was going to do push-ups, uh, they did a push-up challenge at, U at youth camp, and uh, Inkst Emmett Ingstrom from our church got second place. Come on. And, uh, but when you do push-ups, you know you're doing them right if your chest is going to start hurting. You should feel it. Why? Because it's the tension that creates the endurance. It's the tearing down that allows the building up. And the same thing happens with your spiritual woman, your spiritual man. As you endure things, not, not just by being a self-made woman, not just by being a strong, I can handle it myself man, but when you say, I'm going to place all my faith in Christ in the middle of this trouble, in the middle of this marriage, somebody, I'm putting all my faith in Jesus in the middle of it, I promise your spirit man, your spirit woman will grow stronger. Because the only way we grow is when we match our current capabilities against a struggle. You don't grow by only experiencing struggles that you can handle with no effort. You grow by experiencing struggles that are over your head. You, you, you grow by pushing yourself to the limit. And I'm not saying we need to go seek trouble. Like, I'm just going to go find trouble. Pastor said find trouble. Like, walk up somebody in Walmart. Pah! No. No. What I'm saying is, they're coming, whether you like it or not. Your marriage is going to experience difficulty. You talk to these families around here that have been married for 40 and 50 years. Like, it must have been all perfect. No. <laughs> He's like, he ain't lying. <laughs> I talked to one one elder in the church, he's since passed away, um, and uh, his name is Gilbert. Some of you remember Gilbert, and, and he, said, he said this, he said, the Japs, in, or the, the Japs treated me better than my wife some days. <laughs> like, he was over in World War II, <laughs> he was like this old guy. Here's the deal, here's the deal. Those struggles, those difficulties, they don't destroy you, they allow you to grow. A marriage has been through the difficulties is the kind of marriage you're going to look at and be like, actually, I can make it because those two made it. Like, like I can make it financially. I may not have any money in the bank, but you know what? This guy over here that's, that's got a business going, he started from nothing too. You can, you, can, you can make it. Does anybody, thinking of parents, right? Like, as parents, are there any parents here today that, 
you really want your kids to be successful financially? Got seven, eight of you. For those of you that didn't raise your hands, that means you're hoping that they will ask you for money when they're 42. Okay, I'll ask it again. Anybody hoping their kids will be successful financially? <laughs> me, me. <laughs> we, we, we want our kids to be successful. We, we want them to be successful financially. We, we want them to, to be able to do well in life. And we want them to not ask us for money as they're grown people. There was a study done a few years back just kind of looking at generational the ability for generational, uh, like, uh, handling money, like one generation handling money to the next generation handling money. And some of the findings of the, of the study were actually very unique. It was actually the, the second generation of people that started with nothing that was surprising. It, it talked about people who maybe didn't have a lot when they started out, they, they, they kind of had to make it on their own. It was the children of people who, they, they built something from nothing. They, they didn't have two coins to rub together, but they had a lot of work ethic, and they just said, I'm just going to make it. We're going to survive. Like, we're just going to make it happen. They're, they're the kind of people that fought into their business or into their career, pushed their way into a, to an area. Maybe they had a lot of doubters, and they just faced their doubters and just pushed right through. The kind of people that had setbacks and, and maybe a lot of struggles, they, they pushed through those struggles. And yet, at the end of all of that, they became successful in, in their life. They, they actually pushed through the difficulties to a place of success. And, and what is crazy is, is that statistically, the kids of those people that started with nothing and, and pushed through all the difficulty to have something, their kids statistically will struggle with money, the ability to find direction in life. They'll struggle with purpose in life and, and how to handle their finances. Well, that doesn't even make it. How is that possible? I thought we're creating this generational thing. I thought I worked for all these years so that I could set my kids up for the future. The truth is, the reason why those kids struggle is, is often because mom and dad built it from the ground up so that their kids wouldn't have to. I'm saying long hours that no one saw at the shop working hard, stressful nights, tearful days, Pushing and going so that you could provide your kids a better life. Louis Armstrong says it, right? He says, a man wants a chance to give his kids a better life. Yeah. We want that. But what happens is as we push, as we strive, as we, we save, as we try to create something our kids can stand on, we can often forget that what got you there wasn't the tangible possessions it earned you. What got you there was the struggle itself. It was the sleepless nights. It was the days you couldn't pay the bills. It was the doubters. It was the insecurities. And so then what happens is the kids have been isolated or insulated, not knowing what to do with their life. 
And mom and dad forgot that the struggle was the mechanism. There may be areas of your life that you just wish God would grant you success in. God would just open a door and you'd have instant success in that area. And I'm telling you, like, it would ruin you. If God would just just open a, a door and I would suddenly be successful and whisked away into this magical world of success, it would ruin you. God is not a dysfunctional parent. God recognizes It is the struggle that allows you to have the broad enough shoulders to handle the success in the future. Like his favor will get you somewhere, but your character will keep you there. And the way character is developed is by enduring the hardships, uh, enduring the people talking about you, struggling financially, and learning how to keep a budget, and recognizing that if you don't keep the budget, you're not going to eat next week. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is exactly how your faith life goes. You experience difficulties and you think, God, I wish you would just whisk me away from this trouble. God, I, I, I thought that if I just believed enough, that if I managed this purple ball enough, that somehow all my troubles in life would go away. And God's saying, no, 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 no. The purple ball isn't that. The purple ball is trusting me. And enduring through faith, enduring the hardship, enduring the difficulty, because when you come out the other side, you will be stronger. I think sometimes we come to church thinking of it more as a product than as a community. Right, well, well, we've got a lot of people moving into the valley, and for the most part, they're, they're, they're looking for churches. A lot of them are looking for churches, and I get that. If you're church shopping today, I hope your shopping experience is wonderful. <laughs> but here's the deal. Don't think of the church as a product. If you do that, you're missing out on the benefit of what the church actually is. It is a community of faith. It's a family to belong to, not a product to be received. And so what happens is somebody's like, oh, I, I understand that, but I'm just not in that season of my life. I'm just, I'm just beyond that. You know, I've been a Christian for 23 years. Like, I, I put in my time. No, 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 no. If you have viewed the church as a product for 23 years, I'm telling you, you've been a Christian for one year, 23 times. Because the idea is we actually engage in the family and in the community and we participate in the work of God that is going on. And as we do that, we grow into mature, complete men and women of God. It's like just because you experience difficulty doesn't mean you grow. Just because you experience challenge in your life does not mean you're becoming more mature spiritually. It's like owning an elliptical machine and keeping it in your garage. (laughs) 
which I just want to say, like, I think the elliptical machine is the dumbest. Of course, I don't have a lot of room to talk. I got this thing going on. But, like, I think it's the dumbest machine in the world. Sorry, Lord, forgive me. My wife likes those things. <clears throat> but it's like owning one of those things. Have it in the garage. Like, oh, I got, I got the elliptical in the garage. I'm a health nut. No, you're not. It's still in your garage, and you're not in the garage, right? <clears throat> the only way for it to actually do its work in you is if you get out there on that thing and go through the process of its intention. Complaining about our problems is not the same, the same thing as lifting our problems to God. Listen, through Christ Jesus, I can do all things. I, I'm not waiting for them to leave me. I'm not waiting to avoid them. I can make it through any circumstance, whether rich or poor, whether sick or in health. doesn't matter what it is. I can make it through everything in Christ Jesus. So when trouble comes into my life, it's not just an obstacle to overcome. It's really an opportunity to find the joy that is in growing in Christ Jesus. What I'm saying, like, when, when you moved to Idaho and you got outbid on a house five times, it's not just an obstacle. It's actually an opportunity to trust God. When, when you're experiencing stress because at work there's people that are just not coming back to the workforce and you're stressed out and you're like, how in the world are we going to make this happen? And the, the truth is this, it's not just an obstacle, it's an opportunity to trust God. When you've got a negative pregnancy test and you're just hoping for a positive one, yes, it's a huge obstacle, but it's an opportunity to trust God. Or maybe you got a positive pregnancy test and you were hoping for a negative pregnancy test. It's an opportunity to trust God. Maybe you made bad decisions decisions and they piled up in your life and I'm saying it creates an opportunity for you to trust God. Maybe it's the ghosts from your past that are revisiting your life and I'm just saying like like it's an opportunity to trust God in your weakness. He is strong. When you're experiencing temptation, he is strong. James goes on and says it like this. He says, and let steadfastness or let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. He doesn't mean perfect like you're a perfect person. Like I'm a plastic person. No, that's not what he means. He means complete, finished, someone that's, that's been developed, somebody that's through difficulty, through troubles, your faith has created endurance, and your endurance has allowed you to become perfect, complete, lacking nothing. No matter what is going on around us, we can become the kind of people that can handle it. No matter what the circumstances are around us, we can become the kind of people in the face of anything, we could say, my God can do this. And I'm just going to walk right beside him through this whole thing. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to walk right beside him. When faith is tested, endurance, spiritual endurance, has a chance to grow. So when I experience struggle, do I get bogged down? Do I self-medicate? 
Do I pop off on somebody and tell them what I think? Or do I just lie down and just give up? No. We choose to trust God because in doing so, it develops a spiritual endurance that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I was in Israel, um, I'm going to show you this picture because um, a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's really neat when I'm able to attach my time in Israel to the church. The other is this. If I show pictures of my trip to Israel, it makes it a tax deductible. So here we go. <laughs> right here. Uh, I'm playing. I actually got this picture off the internet. <laughs> but when you're in the old city in Jerusalem, there's these, these guys everywhere. Um, they're typically Arab vendors. And they're selling the most amazing drink I'd ever experienced. I'd never had it before. It's freshly crushed pomegranate juice. So refreshing. They would just take these pomegranates right in front of you, and he's got it in there, and he just presses this thing down and hands you it, and you oh, it's like six bucks. <laughs> for this little, no, it's, it's expensive, but here we go. <clears throat> Fresh, and so you have this fresh squeezed pomegranate juice. This is a picture there in the old, old, uh, the old city of Jerusalem, walking through the, the markets with pomegranate juice. It's absolutely amazing. Pomegranate's an interesting plant because pomegranate is uh, it's drought resistant. It's a plant that, that can struggle or that can survive in the struggle of drought. <clears throat> a drought is a difficulty that is not the plant's fault. Californians, you know what I'm saying? Those pomegranates, they, they didn't ask for no rain and bitter heat. But something inside them is able to endure in the middle of lack of water and bitter heat. When you have a typical, like just a normal pomegranate, it looks like this. That looks amazing. For some of, some of you are like, that looks like bugs or something. That's, does anybody like pomegranates? Or am I, okay, we, there we go. We got some people. Okay. <clears throat> super good fruit. It's antioxidants. It's, super, it's like a health food. They actually say it, uh, actually it attacks cancer, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, it, it's actually, this is an interesting fact. It's one of the seven species of fruit in Jewish culture. There's seven species of fruit that are like the key species in their worship. And you'll see them all over when God is building the temple. He has these fruit drawn all over. Pomegranates all over the temple. And they say, and I've never taken the time to count them, but every pomegranate has 613 seeds in it. Don't know if it's true. But according to Jewish tradition, the reason why it's 613 is one for every law in the commandments. Pretty crazy. <clears throat> but what happens to a pomegranate tree when they don't get enough water and when there's too much drought is they look more like this. What's interesting is that the, the actual fruit yields smaller, but the antioxidants and the stuff inside, the nutrients inside the tree, are still about the same as a good-looking fruit. The, the fruit... The, the skin on the outside of it isn't as, isn't as fresh. It's not as nice. It's cracked. It's, it doesn't look as good. But, but the difficulty is that the, the, the drought actually tests the contents of what's inside the fruit. 
not the outside of the fruit. I'm saying maybe you're walking through a struggle right now, and somebody might look on the outside and say, man, he or she really isn't doing all that great. But listen, God is looking at the fruit on the inside. So where are you spiritually? Where are you emotionally? Where are you financially? Like, it may not look great, but God may be developing inside of you a great strength. And some scientists did a study on this because it was interesting that pomegranates can survive drought. So they, they actually shocked some trees. They, they dug around the roots and constricted the roots, and then they actually added a salt compound to, to the tree's roots to, to withdraw all the water they could from the tree. And when they did, the fruit that was produced was absolutely disgusting looking. It was very small, very cracked, very, very fragile looking fruit. It didn't look good at all. But when they cut the fruit open, they discovered that the contents on the inside, although it was about 50% of the size of a normal pomegranate, the fruit on the inside had more than twice the antioxidants and vitamins and nutritious minerals than the full-size fruit. Like, like something was going on on the inside of that tree that on the outside looked like it just isn't any good to eat. It just doesn't have what it takes. And yet on the inside, something was developing that had more health benefits to you and I than the regular trees by simply enduring the hardships so you can spend the rest of your life worried about every struggle that comes your way, worried about every difficult conversation you have to have, or you can be like a pomegranate, that it may be obvious that things aren't great, but when people crack you open, abundance comes out. You can be the kind of person that deep down inside, when the, when the rubber meets the road, the strength of endurance shines. I want you to know as the band would come, we're not a, if you're church shopping today, let me just tell you, we're not a plastic church. We're not full of perfect people. We're really not. We're not full of people that have it all put together. This isn't the church that you're going to hear the pastor say, like, just faith your way through it. And I'm a faith, I believe in faith. I've seen people healed. I'm all about that. But you're not going to hear that you just got to positive think your way through it. Here's, here's the kind of church we are. We're a church full of people who might have been addicted. People that were hurting. People whose marriages were on the rocks. People who have experienced real pain. People who were let down by those that they trusted. We're a church full of people that have been tired and exhausted. We're a church full of people that have been burned out on religion. And there's some around you, some, some, some you may be like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for what looks really good on the outside. And I'm just telling you, it may look really good on the outside, but that doesn't mean what comes out of the inside is as precious. I'm telling somebody today that this, this may be just the place for you if you can identify with real people, with real issues, with real struggles, and you're not going to be around people that just kind of slap you on the butt and say, just walk it off. 
because that's not who we are. What we say is this, you're going to trust God through it, and you're going to live in community with the people around you, and we're going to endure this thing with you, and we're going to walk this thing called the walk of faith, and God will transform your life. So don't get obsessed with what the fruit looks like on the outside, but press in towards the struggle, towards the disappointment. Keep praying, keep inviting, keep reading your Bible, keep coming to church, keep believing in God, because it's not about the outside of the fruit that matters. It's the benefits within. Paul says it like this, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Would you stand with me all across the room? I wonder if there's some people here today that for you, you're just, you're just ready. You're like, you're like a dry tree ready for some water. Just the refreshing presence of God. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand like a tree that just needs some water? Say, God, I'm here. Lord, right now, I pray that you would send refreshing times of refreshing. That's a promise from you, that there would be seasons and times of refreshing. Lord, we turn towards you in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our difficulties. We're not asking you to get us out of every struggle and every trial we face. God, we're saying we trust you if you deliver us from it, and we trust you if you don't. Because you are good, and you're a good father. And you're not just going to give us everything that might ruin us, but instead you allow us and you walk with us through the struggle and through the obstacles because they really are an opportunity for us to trust you and to find joy in your presence. God, I pray right now for those that are walking through adversity. Lord, not that you would deliver them from every difficulty, but God, that their faith man, their faith woman, would grow strong trusting in you for all things knowing that you really are the author and the finisher of our faith you are our only sure foundation praise the Lord I wonder if somebody came in today and for you 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 didn't really come in as a believer. You are just being nice to somebody coming. Somewhere along this message, you said, you know what, I, I, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to go all in with him. Everybody just put your heads down. Give, give some privacy for a second. Don't always like to do this, but the head's down. But if you're ready to say, I want to put all my faith in Jesus. I want to trust him. Would you put your hand up high for me? Come A bold, a bold hand. There we go. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, here's what we're going to do. I see you guys. Listen. We're going to repent, and we're going to believe. Repent means we're going to turn away from the things in our life that we know don't please God. And believe means we're going to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
when we do that, he cleanses us from all sin and he pulls us into a right relationship with God. Join me in a prayer like this. You can use your own words. Something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know do not please you. Right now, I repent. I'm turning away from those things right now, and I want to walk a different direction. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And right now, I place all of my hope and faith in him. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. Some people just made the best decision of their entire life. The best decision you could ever make. Come on. And around here, I want you to know this. We don't want you to just make a decision like that and walk away with no tools. Make sure you stop by the information table on the way out because we've got ways that we can equip you and walk with you and help you grow in this new thing called faith in Jesus. Come on, church. Let's respond to the Lord in worship. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.